Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning and welcome to Rochester Today, Thursday morning with Tom Ostrom. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andrew. So, it's still cold. (laughs) Yeah, the... uh, I'm at that stage of the winter, Tom, where I'm not liking it a whole lot. But the weekend looks good with highs in the 30s, so I'm I'll be thankful for when it gets here. That's for sure. So what's yeah. up? what's in the mailbag? Well, I, I sent you my uh, column for uh, February. Hope you got it. <laughs> I did. I did get it. Yes. <laughs> okay, and uh, it's some of the issues and policies and repercussions of the day. But my favorite part was. Uh, the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy at Kings Point, New York, trains officers for the high seas. And then many of those officers get uh, reserve commissions in the Navy and the Coast Guard. And the head of the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy now um, is a uh, retired U.S. Coast Guard Admiral, a woman, Vice Admiral Joanna Noonan. And when you get to admiral status, uh, you are bright. And so she got uh, pressure from a religious freedom foundation because of a picture of Jesus uh, saving fishermen uh, in the uh, in the walls of the academy. And she was warned to get that off uh, her walls. Well, she got around that, being smarter than most people. She acquiesced that it has to be placed strategically but she covered it in canvas and so people can go behind the canvas and see the picture she refused to remove it and <laughs> so it well was- the irony of that is it's probably a lot more noticeable now because people are going to look at the canvas and go what's behind the canvas yeah that's right that's right Some more people are probably viewing that's- it now that's great she outfoxed them, and again, the Coast Guard <laughs> manages the uh, the the academy, and and again, those officers get commissions, reserve commissions in the Navy and in Coast Guard. But I just love that story. Other things too in in the in the column, uh, and then, uh, but the woke people again intruding, uh, uh, afraid of religion, the Babylon Bee, their wonderful satire. 30 things investigators found in Biden's garage. <laughs> Obama's birth certificate. <laughs> oh, gosh. 180,000 Trump ballots. <laughs> A friendship bracelet from President Xi of China. <laughs> A lot of other things. Pay stubs from the Ukraine Burisma Company for Hunter. <laughs> and a pallet of money for the big guy. And for the big guy. Too. Isn't that something? I never thought I'd look back with a little bit of nostalgia about the whole birther controversy and the birth certificate <laughs> thing. Yeah. It, see, it seems so innocent now. Yeah. Compared yeah. to the, everything that's happened since. It's, it is. But you can uh, see why the left woke... Uh, uh, banishment uh, censorship censorship people want to get rid of the Babylon Bee. <laughs> yeah, we're we're all dunderheads out here. We can't can't handle a little bit of satire. It's that's right. You'll, you'll take more. it. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted. You. No, you didn't. Okay. 
Uh, and then from Jerry, uh, reminiscing and uh, about some of the issues, the school problems, fraud elections, in his words, digital dollars, uh, loss of retirement plans uh, uh, in the economy. The Minnesota Congress passed uh, a bill outlawing the use of coal, oil, gas in Minnesota. Biden has outlawed mining in Minnesota. Executive order uh, uh, on this and that. And Antifa is the arm of the, the liberal Democrats, the military arm. And then uh, he said the House and Senate should have 20% pay cuts until the budget is balanced. A shooting war could start any time in the Ukraine um, and our election issues. Uh, the ATF, IRS, Department of Education, and other agencies should be eliminated. And uh, uh, and he also thinks that many of the woke uh, departments in the government should be farmed out to other states and have agencies operate in other states, like the Agriculture Department yeah. should be a farm state. So Jerry's doing a lot of thinking about issues and wanted to share it with us, and that's the mailbag. There has been, I don't know if it's been serious discussion, but at least it's heartening to know there has been discussion inside the Beltway about that idea of taking these agencies and sending them out to the hinterlands and, um, I guess, deconsolidate them. Number one, cost savings. Office space, housing, cost of living, everything is super high in the Washington, D.C. area. You have to pay these bureaucrats a ton of money in order for them to have the ability to actually live in these suburbs around Washington. Mm -hmm. You send the Ag Department to Des Moines, guess why? All of a sudden, you don't have to pay somebody $250,000, $300,000 a year to work in the Department of Agriculture and to have a fine standard of living in Des Moines. Mm -hmm. uh, building costs are cheaper. Uh, you're putting the people doing the work closer to the people they're actually regulating. That's right. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think it's a fantastic idea. But like all other fantastic ideas, it won't get any traction at all. Yeah. And, and, and as you're right, it puts the people in the agencies next to the infrastructure, the real world that they're making decisions about. Yes. And could learn from those people. So you yeah. actually see the impact of their regulations on what's happening on the ground outside, in flyover country, as you'd like to say. That's right. Any other mailbags? That's it. Okay, I'm gonna, I don't usually do this, but I'm gonna pass along a movie recommendation to you. But I don't, it's on, unfortunately it's on Apple TV. So most people won't be able to get it. That's unfortunate, but maybe it'll come out in other venues. I uh, have my system, Apple TV, yeah. Oh, that's okay. right, because you have all these Apple computer stuff yeah so it's called okay. emancipation and it's a true story based upon the life of uh, a man whose photograph is among the most famous from the civil war uh, the slave who escaped in louisiana and his photograph was taken at an army base of his horribly scarred back from all of the whippings he had uh, suffered at the hands of the slave owners that he worked for. It, it's iconic photograph. I remember it's been in so many history textbooks and so many other documentaries. If you saw the photo, you'd recognize it immediately. And so they tell his story, and it's uh, 
Will Smith, who's persona non grata in Hollywood because of the whole Academy Awards business mm-hmm. where he slapped or struck the comedian. But he plays the uh, slave who ran away after he was separated his family from his family to work on the, for the Confederate Army building railroads under extraordinary cruelty and made his way uh, to Baton Rouge to join the Union forces and fought uh, in key battles for the uh, the Union Army along the Mississippi River. Mm. And some of it, it, it's just, it's all done in black and white. I really don't like that part of it, but I think it adds to it maybe a little bit, but it's, mm-hmm. I thought it was an astounding performance and a, just a story that needs to be told. So well, if you get a chance, watch it. Thank you for the advice and the uh, education. Yeah. Okay. There was another great Civil War story, too, about a slave who uh, worked uh, in the maritime community, and he could operate boats, and uh, he he used a boat to get out of the uh, southern slave uh, market and get into the north, and then he became a soldier for the Union, too. But a lot of courageous stories like that that are are inspirational. That is for sure. And that's one positive that there you know, of the quote-unquote wokeism movement yeah. is that some of these stories that had not been told are getting the funding they need to be told, mm-hmm. uh, you know, through the media of the film or documentaries or whatever else because they're important stories for the rest of the world to know our, and, you know, to know about our own history, these uh, forgotten heroes. Yes. All right. With that, we'll take our break and return in a moment with more of Rochester Today. News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Hey, it's Kurt St. John with good news. The 2020 Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back to Rochester Today. Tom Ostrom's here Thursday. What's next on the agenda, Mr. Ostrom? Well, this is going on in some other states, but it's going on uh, in our neighbor uh, state, neighboring state, Iowa. The Republican-controlled uh, Iowa legislature passed a school choice proposal championed by Governor Kim Reynolds, and she's the leader of the Republican Governors Association. She's fought for education freedom for years, and uh, the Iowa Education Savings Account bill allows families to take their children's state-funded K-12 education dollars directly given to the students, about $7,600 a year, uh, and they can choose the education provider of their choice, and most Iowa farmers will be eligible for it. I, I pardon me, Iowa families should be uh, eligible for it, and uh, it's it's a universal school choice policy. The the money doesn't go to bureaucrats; it goes directly to the students and the students' family to choose the school of their choice, uh, whether public or private. Uh, that has the kind of education offerings that are that are preferred, and West Virginia is working on that too. But I was a leader there, thanks to oh. Governor Reynolds. And I imagine somebody's screaming bloody murder about it down there. Yeah, in Iowa. But so they can't. It, it's like the uh, Arizona law; it's already enacted; it's in force. That's right. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. And then these uh, rhino Republicans, like I say, we had that discussion the other day. 
a handful of Republicans wants to save Ilhan Omar's committee seat, the, the uh, left-wing uh, Minnesota representatives, uh, and, and uh, McCarthy is quite upset by that, and he's having conferences with the people that want to vote her back on the committees that he removed her from. And she's crying racism and so, xenophobia and everything. The other, the other Adam Schiff, he's already, that vote has already taken place for him. He's already been ousted from intelligence, or yeah. are he still in flux? No, he's uh, he's been ousted. Uh, now, of course, these votes can go to the floor to be voted on, and that's where it gets dicey with the margins uh, that they okay. have. But he knows he's gone because now he wants to run for right. the Senate, Diane Feinstein's seat, so he can be on the Senate Intelligence Commission. And and a, and a CNN reporter, a female, forgot her name went after him of why he got displaced. And she was very honest about his deceptions and his lies. And and he just looked at her. He's just impervious to moral shame. He just looked at her and said, not true, not true, not true. (laughs) His interpretation of events was different than yours. (laughs) (laughs) Got time for another... Minnesota. You betcha. Uh, this was published by T.J. Leverance, and it's about Rochester Community and Technical College and uh, Truth in Advertising. I'm a retired instructor from there, and I'm 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 rather proud of this. Uh, and I've met and talked to Dr. Boyd, who's the president, uh, has uh, came on on duty after I retired, but he's a very impressive man, an African American man sensible conservative about education issues in my view but anyway uh, tj leverance has this that uh, he had an article the uh, rochester uh, rctc impact on the local economy and rctc and other colleges in the minnesota system um, have contributed greatly to the minnesota economy and uh, you know, billions of dollars and training uh, employees to be efficient and competent, and that has an effect too. And uh, they say RCTC's contribution to the Rochester economy was about uh, over $200 million, and uh, it's created almost two, th- they create almost 2,000 jobs in the Rochester area, and they, they create uh, millions of dollars in state and local taxes, RCTC. And, and other schools throughout the system too. The, and, uh, and Dr. Boyd of RCTC said, uh, our student success is the most important priority, but it is good that the public knows the vital role uh, in state and regional economies uh, our operations contribute to and, uh, and, and, and our contributions to healthcare, education, hospitality, construction, et cetera. And I thought that was a very, very interesting and uplifting and significant article. And I, I, I'm one of these people who am supportive of the idea. If you are going to explore higher education, start with a place like RCTC. Put your toe in the water there. Find out who you are and what you're interested in. Because most 18-year-olds, there are some that have, you know, a very good picture of what they want to do in the future and they're very goal oriented and they're ready and raring to go and 
all the more power to them. I, you know, <laughs> most people envy people who have that ability at 18 years old, but I think the vast majority of 18 and 19 year olds are still just trying to figure out their place on this planet and what they could contribute. And that's a great place to learn about yourself and what you might want to do without breaking the bank. Uh, well said, Andrew. And uh, I, I would add to that that RCTC has a, a very fine liberal arts curriculum, a science curriculum, and a vocational technical school. And so students would get a wide variety of uh, courses and uh, occupations uh, to uh, experiment with and experience. And uh, yes, that, that gives them a choice and experience. And people have to find out what they're good at and what they're bad at. Yes, have that bell curve and, and uh, they get that at, at the college. You bet. Oh, great. Kudos for RCTC. And the Minnesota House this week took action on, uh, I don't know what they call the bill, but it, it will allow people who are here in the United States uh, illegally to get driver's licenses. Mm-hmm. Now that's headed to the Senate for debate, and I'm not sure what its fate will be in the Senate, but the way things have been going in St. Paul, I suspect it'll pass. It's called the driver's licenses for all bill. And uh, some people say that's good, and it brings uh, uh, immigrants online uh, to have responsibility registered for uh, uh, car insurance and other things. Other people say it's going to be an opening for with driver's licenses and uh, illegal voting, but others say, ah, that won't happen. But you're right, Andy, it's another controversial uh, bill uh, out of this, out of the legislature. The the voting thing is interesting to me as well, because the state lawmakers who push this when questioned about that aspect of it, say that your driver's license is not legal identification of your citizenship. And they're technically correct. It does not say on that license that you are a U.S. citizen. There are people who aren't U.S. citizens who have driver's licenses. They have permanent residency or they have some other visa arrangement that they're here for a lengthy period of time that allows them to obtain a driver's license. But on the other side of the coin, if I go to vote absentee, what does it ask for? It asks for my driver's license number (laughs) and proof. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, like, okay, uh, I, I'm not really, you know, so if your intent was to defraud, I think that it might make it a little bit easier to vote fraudulently, especially mm-hmm. with an absentee ballot, because even on those records, unless unless somehow magically, and I don't have the knowledge to say that, that this isn't possible, that it triggers a red flag, that particular number, because... It is issued under this program or another program, but my understanding is that's not the case. That I'm a bit confused. So we'll see how that plays out in the Minnesota Senate coming up here in the next few weeks. The other one I wanted to bring up in state news before we run off very quickly, a report came out earlier this week. Uh, the Walls administration pushed it that showed that greenhouse gas emissions in the state of Minnesota had dropped 20-some percent over uh, a period of five years. And uh, it was touted as, look, we're almost at our goal of reaching a 25% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by the year 2025. Look, if we could do that, think how much more we could do. Well, 
there's one flaw to that. The time period that was included in this report ended in the year 2020, which was the full shutdown year for the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So how much of that 20% decrease in greenhouse gas emissions occurred after the pandemic hit in 2020 when the highways were empty for a lengthy period of time and commerce ground to a halt and mm-hmm. people were staying home and they were driving their vehicles a whole lot less and there were a lot less trucks on the road. You name it, uh, every aspect of our system that emits greenhouse gas emissions would have likely been reduced during that year mm-hmm. by a lot. Mm-hmm. So I have yet to see if you took the year 2020 out of the mix, what would the actual percentage decrease be I, I would suspect it's not all that significant i bet i bet there has been a reduction because vehicles are cleaner now and other clean air act um provisions have gone into effect and a bunch of coal operated power plants have been taken offline but the the largest producer of greenhouse gas emissions in the state of minnesota is uh, the transportation sector our vehicles and <laughs> and uh, yeah, there was a lot fewer miles driven in 2020 when compared to other years. And th- those numbers have bounced back, obviously. Just mm-hmm. go on Highway 52 and you'll see that. Okay. So it'd be interesting to see if they update that next year to show, oh yeah, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Okay, with that, we'll take our break for news. Tom Ostrom's here. I'm Andy Brownell. It's Rochester Today, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. I'm Martin Hoke, the inventor of Navage Nasal Care. And good morning, Tom Ostrom is here. What do you have for us, Tom? Well, there are still some conservatives in California, even though the U-Haul business has been blessed by conservatives leaving California and leaving New York, by the way. And uh, the Board of Supervisors in Shasta County, California, voted to terminate its contract with the Dominion voting machine systems and end its use in elections. They didn't mention uh, election voter fraud because when they when people have Dominion sues them for defamation, they just said we're going to terminate the contract and uh, it's understood that there were some um, some mistrust going on about procedures, oh. but they didn't mention that. They just said we're terminating the contract and you can figure out why. <laughs> so... And I'm going to ask you an unfair question. Do you know where in California Shasta County would be? I don't have a clue. County, uh, uh, let's see. No, no, offhand, I don't know. Uh, okay. It, there's a there's a Shasta Lake. We can look that up on a map. I suppose it's next to Orange County. That's well, that's it, what I was wondering. That's kind of... So, yeah, my guess is it's in a what has traditionally been a more conservative area of Southern California. Yeah. And uh, by the way, uh, other counties have eliminated Dominion too. Uh, a county in New Mexico, for example, and uh, Missouri is looking at at doing the same thing. And in Georgia, Professor Alex Halderman issued a report on the use of Dominion voting systems. The report the re- the report is being kept hidden though by a woke judge who who won't release uh, what was found about the Dominion uh, activity. <laughs> you got people like uh, the Pillow Man and uh, Rudy Giuliani and others who have been 
uh, sued by by Dominion and uh, uh, for for suggesting that uh, irregularities were purposeful. What I will say is, I believe the system that's used in Minnesota with the optical scanners is for the you know for the outside of you hand out a paper ballot and you actually put a check mark on it and you put it in a box and somebody hand counts it. Um, I think the system we use in Minnesota is probably the best available mm-hmm. because if there are any doubts, the ballots are still there and you can physically look at those ballots and make a comparison. Yes. You know, just the, the idea of hand counting paper ballots sounds quite attractive if you live in a town of 2,500 people, but if you live in a town the size of Rochester, uh, no, that does not sound at all attractive. It sounds like it would be three or four days before you had any results. Mm-hmm. More wokeism. A Georgia attorney general told the Atlanta media to stop referring to rioters as just protesters and peaceful protesters. Rioters who set police cars on fire, said the Georgia Attorney General Chris Carr. Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're lawless. They attack police. They are rioters. They are not protesters. Well, certainly not peaceful, that's for sure. Yeah. That's still one of the most iconic images from the rioting that took place in the Twin Cities after George Floyd's death was the, I think it was a CNN reporter, but I could be wrong, standing in front of a building that was torched by an arsonist while utter chaos is occurring in the background, (laughs) describing it as a peaceful protest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said mostly peaceful. (laughs) I mean, that that was probably the ultimate piece of satire, and it wasn't satire. No, no, and it shows the bias. Well, going after wokeness, that's what Republicans are going to try to do. And Representative Mike Waltz, W-A-L-T-Z, Uh, He's a congressional representative from uh, Florida and a former Army Green Beret. And he's sharing a think tank panel to combat wokeness in the military and how to turn around its recruiting crisis caused by wokeness, he thinks. And the panel is hosted by the Heritage Foundation. They're going to try to refocus the military on winning wars and training people for their function instead of this uh, politics that the Biden administration uh, has forced on on them. And Waltz is an Army National Guard colonel, and he'll become the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, the, uh, I'm sorry, Readiness Subcommittee. And uh, he's he wants the warrior culture reintroduced into the military without the politics. And uh, they're going to look at initiatives in military readiness and training and recruitment and so uh, he's serious about that. Uh, he'll have to deal with Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, who's a woker, um, uh, until the Republicans take over the the, the White House. But uh, again, uh, movement by Republicans in the new conservative Congress to uh, to reform things. So in the Pentagon, which is probably the most vast bureaucracy you have in the U.S. government. I can't, I mean, it must take 
forever to change anything. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, okay. I'm I'm just a little bit pessimistic about this man's chances of really making a dent. Yeah. Yeah, I think if the Republicans take over the executive branch, they're going to have to remove left-wing officers that Obama put in and put in traditional warrior types. But yes, it'll be difficult because the Pentagon can't even account for billions of dollars that they can't get a hold of or find or trace. So I think you're very correct about the bureaucracy, Andrew. And I had read uh, concerning our military readiness you know the issue of our stockpiles of weapons that we have talked about in the past but i read another article that this was fascinating to me and it was the stinger missiles um which have been used extensively in ukraine were were used extensively in Afghanistan, uh, even prior to the U.S. involvement in Afghanistan, going back to the 1980s, as such an effective weapon on the battlefield, that the last order that the United States put in for Stinger missiles was 18 years ago. Mm. That we had stockpiles of these weapons in warehouses ready to go, but those stockpiles have been depleted, so now the discussion is we need to put together new orders and rebuild our our supplies of stinger missiles and javelin missiles which take even longer to build but because it's been 18 years the company that built these uh weapons <laughs> is finding out that you know it subs out for a lot of the pieces that go into the stinger missile well some of those companies have gone out of business some of the parts aren't available anymore. The, a lot of them are antiquated parts from 18 years ago. So they basically have to probably redesign and reconstruct the missile system in order to get manufacturing going again. Because right now they can't actually manufacture them because they don't have the parts for them. Mm-hmm. So it could take years, mm-hmm. years, three, two, three, four years to get Stinger missiles back into manufacturing. That's that's a scary thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's and part of it is because of the Pentagon bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and there are other factors at play as well, but part of it is still the supply chain issues that we're feeling from the pandemic. But a lot of it is bureaucratic um, quicksand, I guess, would be a good term for it. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have time for one more item before we have to take a break. Well, I alluded to this in the last show, but... Uh, uh, Miranda Devine, uh, the the great investigative reporter for the uh, New York Post, uh, she knows Biden's laptop uh, emails and records, and she studied them intensively. And she said there are several clues on the laptop that Hunter may have used classified information that his father had uh, uh, to sell and to explain to his foreign paymasters uh, uh, the situation and the advantages and the of of of, of, of commercial contacts, because uh, Miranda Devine said Biden in his emails was uncharacteristically cogent about bureaucratic classified terminology in the emails he sent to foreign uh, business interests uh, for uh, for his his benefit. Uh, the things that he wrote to them, the information that he had. 
the contact with the elites. Uh, uh, and uh, so, I don't know, this, this Biden uh, email, Biden, Biden security lapses with classified information. Uh, DOJ and FBI are not releasing information. The Treasury is not releasing information of the red flags that corporations and banks sent up about Hunter's activities. I don't know how they can get away with not uh, releasing it. Gosh, they released everything about Trump and his family uh, without trouble. But uh, it's going to be trouble getting to the bottom of these things. But the more they look, the more serious these issues are. All right. We're going to take our break. We'll, we'll return. We will return in a moment. Tom Ostrom, I'm Andy Brownell. It's News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Give your home a fresh look with the beauty and durability of it's Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Rochester today continues Thursday morning. We have a few minutes left in the program. Tom Ostrom's here. Take it away. The new Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, has talked about visiting Taiwan, which is a Red China's nemesis that she wants to control. Uh, Taiwan, a nationalist China, a democracy, a capitalist nation. And uh, I, one thing I'll credit Nancy Pelosi with when she was Speaker, she went to Taiwan despite Red China's threats and warnings about doing so. And it, 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 it constituted a risk uh, for the speaker because uh, uh, Chinese uh, aircraft shadowed the, the plane that she came in on. Well, McCarthy wants to visit Taiwan. The Chinese are warning him not to do it. And yet, you know, our, what would the reaction be of China if we told uh, President Xi not to go somewhere? And she does intend to visit some enemy nations of the United States uh, in the Middle East. So, But we'll see about uh, McCarthy's trip and will it emulate uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi's trip. So you remember after Nancy Pelosi left Taiwan, they more or less ran a de facto blockade around the island nation for a time, labeled it military exercises, but declared so much territory to be you know, I don't know the terminology that they use that basically stay away, don't go in here because it's not safe to go in here because we're running exercises. That it more or less was a blockade of Taiwan, uh, you know, kind of a send a message thing. But then it was dismantled after a few days and things went back to normal, although normal is highly tense these days between U.S. forces and the Chinese forces in that part of the world. So. You wonder what what could be the threat, mm-hmm. because actual actual action against an aircraft carrying the Speaker of the House from the United States, if something were to happen, that would be a clear declaration of war, an act of war. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, they must have other things up their sleeve that they're talking about. But yeah, I the whole the whole situation in that part of the world is at this point, very scary. Right. Uh, These things happened when I was in the U.S. Coast Guard in the 1960s, but uh, the Coast Guard is tracking Russian and uh, Chinese uh, intelligence gathering ships. Some are trawlers, some are fishing uh, boats. Uh, Some uh, uh, military vessels, too, uh, are, are 
cruising the Hawaiian coast just outside the uh, international water boundary and and Alaska. And, and there have been cases of Russian aircraft encroaching on Alaska, but it's, it seems to be increasing and the Coast Guard is shadowing these ships. And I read an article about it and then the reader responses to the articles are interesting. And uh, the, 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 the Coast Guard activities and photographs uh, were, were very clear and a US Navy uh, man reacted to the article. He said, yes, and shadowing these Coast Guard cutters our U.S. Navy assault submarines in case oh. something is done by the other side that that crosses the line. <laughs> like I said, tense situation. Yeah. Andrew, I really hadn't been aware of this. Americans have gone overseas and are fighting on the Ukraine side in wearing their uniforms. And some of them have been captured. Wait, and wearing Ukrainian uniforms? Yes. US? Okay. Oh no, not US. Then that yeah, would so be- That's why I was, what? Yeah, it'd be like, a, that would be a NATO nation involved. And then, right. yeah, that would, no, they're wearing Ukraine uniforms and they've been captured and tortured in Russian camps. And two recently freed, uh, American veterans were captured and then exchanged, and they said we were physically and psychologically tortured by the Russians. Uh, they give the names of the two soldiers, and uh, they had bruises on their bodies. They were released from Russian captivity in a, in a uh, prisoner exchange, and uh, because uh, President Zelensky of the Ukraine had asked for foreign nationals to fight, and some are from different nations, just like some foreign nationals are fighting uh, on the Russian side. But uh, these experienced soldiers from the U.S. uh, military experience said they really thought they were going to die in in the torture situations. And uh, uh, the men were exchanged with uh, for more than 200 other Ukrainian soldiers in a prisoner swap with with the Kremlin. I had not realized that was happening. Well, I'm certainly glad they're... They're out and able to get home. Yep. Thankfully, that's the outcome there. Goodness. We have yep. about a minute and a half left, Tom. Anything else you want to cover before we have to skedaddle? Well, uh, Ukrainian corruption is rampant, and President Trump called uh, to check on it, uh, and uh, the Democrats use that as an excuse to impeach him. But uh, Zelensky has removed now very visibly, multiple Ukrainian officials who have been uh, fired or asked to resign as corruption uh, has been exposed in the Ukraine. And uh, uh, and so Zelensky's trying to check on that as Americans insist on a better policing of our funding where it goes and who's getting it. And, uh, and U.S. officials, some military are saying we have to help Ukraine, but we cannot be dragged into a nuclear war with Russia, and that's an increasing danger as supply lines get more complex. Training uh, these Ukrainians to use advanced equipment takes a long, long time. And one one U.S. colonel said, and they have to train uh, with each other because it's a skill using these tanks in warfare, and mistakes can be made. Yeah, and you're right, the, the Abrams... I don't know much about the Leopard tank, uh, the European-made model, but the Abrams 
you're right, the connectivity and the coordination that they are able to utilize to form effective attacks does take a lot of training, a lot of practice. I think they're doing it in Poland. Yes. I think they're taking the Ukrainians to Poland to do this. And some Ukrainians are being trained in the United States now. Oh, okay. And I did see that it looks like the Ukrainian request for F-16s has been denied. But apparently the United States is now going to send longer-range missile systems to Ukraine, which uh, will be seen as a provocation by Putin, I'm sure, because this uh, upgraded missile technology has almost 100-mile range. And uh, I know Putin has hollered quite a bit about the HIMARS being put in place because you know, his argument was that they could be used to hit positions well within inside Russia. Well, obviously, with a 100-mile range, that becomes even more apparent with this other missile system. I don't know much more about it, but once again, another these hot spots are keep getting hotter, Tom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, talk to you next Tuesday. You have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. All right, Tom. That's Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell. This has been Rochester Today. On News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. I just remember reading those letters and I'm like, ah.